prequel, sequel, remake! Pissing in jars, gills behind the ears. A man, his ego. Man, his ego rises higher than the shores of the Himalayas. Maritime costumes, dangling earrings, wind holds, and Hawaiian hotel bills. Prohibitively expensive set pieces. One man's bathroom is another film production's ferry ride. Action scenes so drawn out, man, they're so drawn out, they're more drawn out than the markings on her back. Land, man. Dry land. Water, water everywhere. But not a thought to think. Four million dollars. Some movies shouldn't exist. Let's pretend they do. I'm Peter Hunter. Uh, I'm Scott Hitchie. I'm Desmond Ports. What's going on? Hey, boys. Hey. Welcome back, kiddies, listeners of all shapes and sizes. <laughs> yeah, thanks for sticking around through Volcano and Space Jam. Um, and for this week's movie, we have Waterworld. Yay! It's Water a world, world filled with water. Um, In a future where the polar ice caps have melted and Earth is almost entirely submerged. A mutated Kevin Costner fights starvation and outlaw smokers and reluctantly helps a woman and a young girl try to find dry land. Good. There's one word, dry land. Yeah. Dryland. Dryland. Oh, my, my, my family were from dryland. <laughs> okay, so um, let's, start, let's start with what went right about this movie. Sure. What, what, what do people let's like? Let's give a little context know? of the movie. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, okay. uh, 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 yeah, infamously... Bloated budget, um, huge flop. The movie for me that has so much potential to be good, and there are aspects about it I like, but there are some things that stand staunchly in the way of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So in terms of what went right with the whole thing, uh, I'll go ahead and say the aesthetic is great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, the general idea, which of course, as we all know, is a complete post-apocalyptic Mad Max ripoff. It, oh, like, yeah. even Most Beat certainly. for Beat is the, the is It's the Mad Max it with water. It's it the Mad Road Max Warrior. Yeah. It really it, is. It, it really but is. not as cool. Um, I mean, physical sets, I get. Uh, yeah. There's some crappy scenes. Practical yeah. effects. Practical mostly. effects. Just practical the, effects. Again, there's, there's effort that went into that. I mean, yes. a lot of effort and man hours going into that. Uh, yeah, and that that kind of powered me through it, and and I ended up enjoying watching the thing a bit more than I recalled because, okay, this is this is cool. I don't really understand like the the general opinion that this movie is just awful, and and I I don't really understand why it was a flop. I, it kind of seems like it would have been a hit. I so let me okay. I, I, I respect that, but okay. let me like try and shed a little light onto like what went wrong specifically. Sure. At least from my opinion of a movie pacing spectrum, is that 
It, there's just too much action scenes, and they're too fucking long. And they're they not just, that interesting. No, it's like, it got to the point where it's like, oh, cool, action, action, great. Action keeps going, action keeps going. I'm bored now, and now there's more action, and it's literally like, the, it just, it didn't, it, it just, it just never ended. And... I will say the other major sticking point for me is that Kevin Costner never became a likable character, and that's because no, he no, is definitely probably not. a monster. No, you're, let's you're, just be honest with that. You know, like he, there was a point in which the director of the movie walked off the set and said, "You finish it," because he couldn't work with the guy. Oh, and I believe the said, quote was, and then uh, he, "Kevin Costner can work with his favorite." actor and director. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, um, oh, and then wow. even now, you know, if you watch, like, uh, you know, the interview with him, and he, he, he's like, I, uh, the movie got kind of a bad rap, but I don't really know, you know, why they would need to make another one. They should just watch the original one. And it's like, oh just still just holding on. You're and sad it, it wasn't a thing. And, you know, it, it just really, it, you know, when you look at the disparity between the crew and him, you know, when, when, Anybody in the crew had to use the bathroom. They had to be ferried back to shore. Kevin Costner had his own private butcher. Oh you know what I mean? Like, it's just like the disparity between like this. this it's just, just a palpable man's ego just bleeding all over a script and a movie. And it's like you can tell from the way the movie is that they they cut it to like this is the bare bones of what will move it along. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and that's it's just like it's it's just slog. It's long, you know. Like by the end of the movie, the actors are asleep in a blimp, and it's like <laughs> I want to be in that blimp sleeping. Like, I don't even I don't even understand. Like especially at the ending, there it's like wait a minute, did the size of this flying machine expand or something? Like why is it accommodating all these people it, now? It's like water where did that other guy come it's, from? It's water. Where did the enforcer come from? I really want to know. Put but, aside all the. the behind-the-scenes drama, he's just a soulless, dead actor in the role. Like, he's not good. You well, could have gotten anyone else who had been a bit more charismatic. You could have gotten a Kurt Russell, and he doesn't uh, He doesn't earn the affection that he later no. gets from. No. The, oh, no. I mean, he literally Definitely throws not. a little girl off the side of his boat, and <laughs> then, does. you know, her older For stealing like, crayons. she can't swim, and it's like, well, that's bad planning on your part. You live in a water, world made of water. You think swimming would be the first yeah, no, that, no one that, taught you that? That killed me. I was like, what are you? How did you not by accident? Like, and he's you like, live in she, used, world. she used my crayon. Like, you're such a dick, dude. Yeah, like, dude. what are you going to use these crayons six? for? Yeah. You know, uh, he just never becomes a likable character. And I think that's because him, because he had the, you know, why esque role on this movie of like, <laughs> just, you know, what the story, uh, what the world, taking over it and being in it and the conflict of interest of your portray, he's portraying himself. And to that effect, he does portray himself incredibly well. Yeah. Uh, a few notable things I read about was, um, Kevin Costner requiring them to use CGI to hide his receding hairline. <laughs> right, which yeah, yeah. I don't oh know gosh. if they did that in the end, but 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 that stipulation in any sort of contract is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, it's nuts. Um, the director was, um, you know, in line with what you were saying about the director walking off, the director was Kevin Costner's buddy. Yeah, no, they who worked, he recommended for yeah, the project. They worked on Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves together, like another Kevin Costner boring action movie. From boring. The 90s. Kevin Costner sucks. Yeah. I, like, I like, yeah, he's kind of resurrected his career as being like dad person. Yeah, good old like, swing vote. Yeah. <laughs> oh my uh. god, swing vote. <laughs> oh god, that's a name. That's a name uh, I haven't heard in. 
So, like, all of the things that uh, in, like, most sci-fi movies that are totally unrealistic but get swept under the rug because it's, like, you have an affable, although sort of dickish Indiana Jones-style character, like, just don't fly when your main character is just absolutely unlikable and unrelatable in every scene. Like, for example, when he uses his entire human body or merman body as bait for that giant fish monster that just, it's like, what? You do this more than one time? How many times do you have to f*** this up? I mean, before, like, you just get bit in half. I'm like, if it was a Star Wars movie, I'd be like, oh, yeah, wow, way to go, Han Solo. Like, <laughs> wow, that's just so cocky and entertaining, and I can't believe you just pulled that off. It's like, but this guy, it's like, this guy's an a Oh, he, yeah. he barely, he pisses and drinks it. I know what you're saying. Yeah. And I, I actually, <laughs> funny. It's a very good observation. I kind of love that part, though. I know. I kind of love I mean, that it's... part specifically. I think that's, like, where the movie excels with this, like, weird lore of this Wind Waker-ass world. Sure. I do sure. I do, I do. do like that. But I like the no. creature aspect of it. His only I rede- do like that they introduced the creature aspect right. to it, which is like, hey, cool. His only redeeming quality is that he doesn't rape that woman. Oh, my God. I really think the thing with Kevin Costner's performance is that he saw or someone saw every Mad Max movie, and they really did a basic reading of Mel Gibson's performance in those movies. Because, like, I could see how you would go to the point of, like, he's, like, stoic and standoffish, but it's really, like, more to it than that. You clearly didn't see the first Mad Max, where he was really impassioned and all that, and then this horrible thing happens to him, and his family dies in front of him, and he's, like, pushing people away because of this traumatic experience, and he doesn't want anyone to come close. Not necessarily because he doesn't care. There's an extent to that, because, you know, it's the post-apocalypse. You have to look out for yourself, but it's also because of that reason. So, Scott, would you recommend Waterworld in one sentence or less? So, half of me is going to say no, absolutely not. And then the other half of me is going to say Waterworld is badass. Of course, of course, that bit. Waterworld um. has explosions, cool fireballs, and fucking smokers. People who don't give a fuck about if you could smoke in a restaurant or not, because they don't, there's no restaurant. They're just gonna smoke. Have a good old time. Fucking blowing trees and fucking, I don't know where they got those cigarettes from, but uh, <laughs> a huge amount of cigarettes. Must have yeah. a point where everyone's throwing How did that around? not get waterlogged? Yeah. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, my, uh, my, my, you dry them out. They can't be that good, you know? <laughs> All right, uh, Desmond, would you recommend Waterworld? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Um, despite its glaring problems, which Sky completely yeah. it's all They're all good points. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, an enjoyable, bad movie. It's got some really cool sets. Uh, the action goes on a bit too long. It isn't that interesting. Unfortunately, guys on jet skis isn't as interesting as guys battling with cars. No, um, it's not. But I, I, I highly suggest watch it with your IMDb trivia section open because it's, you know, I, I hate to say it, it's part of like film history. It is. This huge misstep. It's uh, monumental. Um, and it's really interesting to watch it through that lens, mm. um, knowing all that stuff. So yeah, 100%, watch it. And there's tons of campy, stupid shit to laugh at. Man. It's great. I, yeah. I, I really liked it. I really enjoyed watching it this time a lot. I enjoyed it a lot more. The the, the piece of garbage it is. Yeah. yeah. And Peter, you would, uh, would you or would you not? Okay, um, yeah. I mean, it's like, it can be a chore, but 
if you're like engaged and watching, I would say this is very well suited for watching with a group of friends, probably with a couple beers, just enjoying watching a bad movie together. You can talk over it, totally fine. Doesn't really matter the dialogue, any of it. Point is, they're trying to get to dry land, and those people on the jet skis are trying to kill the people not on the jet skis. That's all you need to know. So, with that all said, we should get started. And we're going to go, as we usually do, in order with the prequel first, authored by Peter Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> Title Waterworld, colon, The First Drop. Tagline Good to the First Drop. Director Rob Reiner. The midday sun beats down hard on the hull of the Gallant Schooner, appropriately named the Gallant Schooner. A 17-year-old boy is playing a game with his mother, Waterball, which is essentially baseball, but without most of the elements of the game that involve land, a ball, or a bat. So more like a slower version of tag, but certainly not freeze tag. But I digress. His mother, Cheryl Lee, scores yet another run on her son, the Mariner, Asa Butterfield, whom she calls Mary, because naming conventions don't exist in the post-apocalypse, yet dingus. <laughs> After enacting a ten-run mercy rule, the two sit down in some sort of steampunky hammock. There's like a squid skeleton and an old diving helmet. You, you, can, you can picture it. Um, Mary asks his mother about his father. She tells him that his father went to a flotilla many years ago to trade for pipeweed, but never returned. He might be out there somewhere, but they have no way of finding him. I can try checking the Shire. <laughs> oh, Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's my old man went to the store to get cigarettes and never came back. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> all this talking has made Mary thirsty, so he gets up to pee. As he gets the pee bottle ready, that's a bottle for peeing in, not a bottle full of pee, mind you. Mary notices a structure on the horizon. It appears to be a series of ships, but it's much too big for that. Mother knows what it is. It's a floating dock. The two are desperately short in supplies, so this has come at the best possible time. The dock allows them passage, and they are greeted by a group of children called Younglings, and their leader, General Motor. Flea, the bassist from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who totally refused to give Scotty a fist bump that one time. It's true. <laughs> do you really want to be, do you really want to be putting that out there? <laughs> I mean, do you care, I'm Scott? I'm saying it's the truth, so <laughs> yeah. it deserves to be out there. Flea could come down that hard. Flea, if you would like to give Scott a fist bump now, he would accept. Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to let bygones be bygones, you know? General Motor, that's Flea once again, assures them that they'll be safe here and offers them a fine feast to celebrate their arrival, which they accept. On the way to the banquet hall, Mother notes that there sure are a lot of younglings around. General Motor notes that the young have much higher spirits than the elderly and that they handle all the day-to-day -day operations of the dock. They'll be having the other members at the feast. Mary meets a teenage girl named Cassandra, portrayed by Yara Shahidi, whom you might know from Blackish, who somehow has pink streaks in her hair because the post-apocalypse has plenty of hair dye but no drinkable water. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh... Um, Later at the feast, they're served tremendous platters of meat, as the younglings entertain them with feats of strength and dances of feet. General Motor declares a toast to new friends, and pea water is enjoyed by all. 
The younglings then recreate the events that led to the world becoming a water world. Many moons ago, the great leaders of the kingdom Usa and Ichna controlled massive beasts of smoke and fire. The kings of these lands were enraged and afraid that the other had bigger smoke beasts than them. So they kept building bigger and bigger smoke and fire beasts. One day, the world filled with fire and smoke, and this angered the great blue in the sky. As punishment, the great blue filled the earth with all the extra blue from the sky, covering every bit of dryland. Legends foretell of a place safe from the great blue, but not even the younglings believe such fantasy anymore. Mary has to get up to pee, and Cassandra offers to show him the urinatorium. Hey. On the way over, Cassandra and him make out because, you know, teenagers. <laughs> Whilst making out, the two accidentally tip open a nearby steampunk lever and gear door. On the other side, they see something horrifying, and properly set up by some careful wording by General Motor, who was obviously the villain all along. Inside, there's a disheveled man hanging from some hooks in the ceiling, as portrayed by John Leguizamo, and, <laughs> and sawing limbs off elderly people, and then grinding the limbs into ground meat. Fuck! You know, just you know, just like Grandma used to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh man! Um, <clears throat> some skirt steak for real. <laughs> Tapas. That's the part that was right under the skirt. <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, the two rebellious teens turn and run, only to be met by General Motor. The general explains that they can't grow any kelp mushrooms, harvest barnacles, or a variety of other viable crops on their dock. So the only viable source of meat they have to keep the younglings fed is obviously to eat anyone who comes to the dock and then they kill <laughs> obviously yeah. um, now that they know his secret he can't allow them to escape a crowd of younglings spring from the walls and tie the two together Mary's mother is also knocked out and taken captive when the group comes to Mary and Cassandra are beside each other mother is tied to General Motors throne which is definitely made out of a bunch of car parts and boat parts and you know it's bronze somehow um the younglings wrap the two teens up in chains and position them above the deep blue sea below them. Mary, Mary is panicking, but his mother tells him to listen. She tells him that he has no father, that she just came from him one day, that he's the most special boy in the whole water world. He just needs to take a deep breath. General Motor tells the younglings to drop them into the depths below. Once underwater, Cassandra starts freaking out. Mary... Heeding his mother's vague advice given the circumstances, takes a deep breath. He discovers that he can breathe underwater. He grabs Cassandra and starts breathing for her, much like that moment in the first water world. Or the second water world, because it was the pre- Anyways, um, after about ten minutes, General Motor has them pull out the teens from the water. They can still use them for dinner, or, you know, maybe brunch the next day. The two play dead, but then spring to life and grab the weapons of the nearby younglings and slit their throats. General Motor urges the younglings to get them, and a battle ensues. After several hours of beleaguered child knife fighting, Cassandra and Mary emerge victorious. Mary tells the general to give up and give him his mother back. He relents, and the three are reunited. However, he reveals an ornate button hidden within his throne. A self-destruct button. 
before any of them can slowly scream the word no. He presses it, igniting the whole dock and setting the gallant schooner aflame as well. Mother, Mary, and Cassandra dive into the water, futilely dog paddling. After several days, Mother and Cassandra die of exhaustion. Mary only survives because he can drift along the current, breathing passively in the water. He wakes weeks later. He's been picked up by the owner of whatever the hell the ship in the first water world is called. Trimaran. No, it's a catamaran. It's called a trimaran. Is it a trimaran? That's what it's called on the Wikipedia. Um, he introduces himself as Captain Ron, as portrayed by Kurt Russell. Mary, happy to be alive, vows never to let anyone get close to him again. And also, probably not to eat meat anymore, but it's a post-apocalypse, so you can't really be too choosy about when you eat. Um... Blame It on the Rain by Millie Vanilli starts playing in the background. Roll credits. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, that's badass. That was actually like a really good prequel to like setting up like what happens at the Waterworld universe, and I and I I really liked uh, uh, you know the whole the way you put the legend you know and made yeah. it like. The smoke and the fire, and you know, it's like because it's like it's a it's a metaphorical take on what's happening See, and yeah, what exactly. is pushing all of us into our unfortunately early Ooh. graves. And you said it earlier, Peter. You said it very well. Um, you basically gave Waterworld its Mad Max one, yeah, exactly. which is like a start to that character. So like you understand why they're this bitter jerk off. Um, yes. After, yeah, yeah, to absolutely. be fair, I didn't know Kevin Costner was a complete, in total, get the bleep ready, dipsh** um, <laughs> on set. Uh, um, so I had no idea I, that I was making this guy who was a jerk during this movie look sympathetic. You give it a decent prequel, you give it like a movie after. I, I hate to just keep saying Mad Max, but no shit. Um, yeah, right. You just make it this rounded thing that's the progression of this character. It's way better in the end. I don't know. You you did exactly what you said it lacked. Thank you. Um, Thank and you. I, 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 I enjoyed it. I say this like I think I've said it every podcast so far. That definitely feels like it could be a thing. <laughs> it, and, yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe yeah, it, it should. It will be. But uh, so, Peter, what were the specs like on this in terms yeah. of like budget and cost and so, all things like that? So, budget $300 million, kind of standard for like a, you know, a big like action movie now with lots of CGI. Um, Rotten Tomato score, 85%. Critic. Audience, 90%. Expected box office gross, $500 million. Actual box office gross, Five hundred and one million dollars. Oh, I know <laughs> that extra one yeah, someone, million. Someone lost the prices right game at the office pool. <laughs> uh, uh, no, yeah. That's... All right. So that was the prequel. Now it's time we moved on to the sequel. The sequel. All right. So, Mister, that is penned this time by Mister Scott Hanshu. And that is true. Yeah, we could be a little preemptive. Yeah. Part. Yeah, for some yeah. Yeah, 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 you don't have to pray on the clap, but you know, I would appreciate the salutary clap when it's the, the credits roll. Uh, it's okay. Uh, yeah. Waterworld 2 A Wife Aquatic. <laughs> alright, alright, I'm ready. I'm ready. Tagline The deeper you go, the drier the land gets. Directed by. Wes Anderson. I knew it. I <laughs> knew it would be Wes Anderson. I mean, oh my god. Come on. <laughs>
The film opens with a classic cropped circle iris wipe around a sailboat in the middle of the ocean, oh, opening no. to full screen. <laughs> it's all going to be like this. <laughs> an extreme close-up on an eye reveals the Mariner, played by Rutger Hauer. Oh, no. He plays the replicant in uh, hey, Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, He's okay. a character okay. actor. Yeah, uh, you know everybody. For anybody who doesn't yeah, know. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and he drops his telescope. He is looking at another ship from afar from his boat. In a series of short zoom close-up shots, we see the Mariner assembling a device to monitor the time. Back to the telescope vision, the Mariner watches as a man, maybe, emerges from the sea around the boat with a bag of goods. Ferrying his way closer, the Mariner hails the other sailor. Ahoy there, mate. You were under the water for quite some time. Just wanted to see that you were all right. The other sailor, now revealed to be Owen Wilson, <laughs> is surprised to see someone else all the way out here. Wow, I didn't see you there before. Wow, 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 wow. It's customary that we trade something. Yeah, sure, man, sure, yeah, come on over. Close-up shot of a ladder being laid between the boats. The Mariner walks over. Yeah, man, hey, you want a cup? I just brewed up a fresh batch of hot piss. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, how, how are you not surprised? <laughs> oh, man. No, thank you. Tell me, how is it you were able to stay under the water for so long? Oh, you know, I've just always been a really good swimmer. Let's cut to the chase, because I know what you are. Oh. But don't worry, because so am I. You see, I've been out here searching for more of us to at one point bring home to our kind on dry land. Oh, wow. You know where dry land is? <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. That's just, wow. That's just, that's really great. I must ask, have you come across any more of our kind? Oh, well, uh, not super often, but, but yeah, you know, uh, yeah, there was the guy back at the floating island, and uh, I think they drowned him in the mud pit, and, uh, well, I met a real nice lady a few, uh, a few knots back, and, uh, we were swapping gill stories, and, uh, and uh, uh, I met one real asshole, must have been, you know, years ago, crazy obsessive psycho, and, so um, I'm not actually not too keen on bringing him into the whole operation. That's interesting to hear. Because before now, I have not had the pleasure of meeting another of our kind. I must admit, life at sea can be challenging and lonely. I've seen things that most people wouldn't believe. I've used my entire body as bait for one of those giant side-mouth monsters. But more than anything, I've craved companionship. Oh, okay, okay, totally, man, yeah, well, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, if you 
want, I can show you. I just dug up some pretty cool stuff from the city below us. I mean, if you want to see the cabin, you know, then, uh... Uh, that, no, that's all well and good, but you see, uh, I must have a wife and a child. Wow, okay, uh, yeah, no, okay, bro, I got you. Uh, I got you, totally, totally, yeah, yeah, nope, no, uh, yeah. And since you are unable to bear my child, of what use are you to me? The other sailor pauses a moment, uncomfortable. The mariner breaks a tense moment with a smile and a chuckle. <laughs> the two enjoy a good laugh. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, since we're on the subject, about where did you meet that fine young lady? Uh, I want to say about like three moons west of here. She was kind of just floating aimlessly, foraging, avoiding smokers. You know how it goes. Excellent. Oh, my dear. You have something behind your ear. The mariner pulls out a shiny object from behind the other sailor's ear. Oh, I get it, I get it, wow. Focus rack to the extreme close-up of a shiny object, a razor blade. With one swift motion, the mariner slashes the other sailor's throat, then grapples him from behind in a chokehold Gus Spring style. After the sailor stops squirming, the mariner drops him to the floor of the boat, dead. Wow. <laughs> On the shores of Dryland Island, a young Enola, played by some child, plays with a very vividly colored corduroy crab as it scuttles around in the surf. Her sister, Helen, Kara Hayward, approaches from the nearby woods. She shows her sister the neatly arranged strange food objects from the Dryland Forest. Girls, girls, dinner is going to get cold, screams the enforcer, reprised by R.D. Call, who has taken to the role of mother with a certain veracity since their landing on Dryland, even going so far as to marry and occasionally have sex with old Gregor, oh, as no. reprised oh, by no. Michael Cheater. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, come on, you're on Very Wes Anderson, frankly. <laughs> but the girls are focused on the horizon. A strange black cloud is forming. But only it isn't a cloud. It's smoke. Another telescope iris shot of the Dryland Island. Smoker Big Beefy Guy motions repeatedly with his hand while screaming for the boss. Dryland! Dryland! A darkened room does not show the face of the boss, only the ember of cigarette and smoke. Let's drop anchor. A cacophony of smokers on jet skis approach the island through a mirage-like haze, whooping and hollering and smoking and shooting off guns as smokers are wont to do. A pair of somewhat scorched leather boots walk across a boat deck and perch a foot on the bow of the ship. A close-up of nasty teeth says, Looks like this party is about to get going. An extreme wide shot shows the island family on the beach of Dryland as a cigar boat cruise craft smoker boat lands on the shore. The pair of boots land on the sand and walk over to the girls. 
What's the matter, kids? You don't recognize your old friend? The camera pans up to see Deacon, king of the smokers, with the top half of his face blown off to the skull. Oh. As played by Grog. Because why the hell not? I, okay. Oh, wow. I was thinking. <laughs> I got Wes Anderson. You think I'm not going to cast myself in the movie that I wrote? Scott, I was thinking, like, during Peter's, I was like, I wonder how long into this podcast before one of us casts ourselves. Well, you guessed right. Okay, boys. Tie these two lovebirds up over here. And give these kids a damn beer and a smoke. Shit, they're old enough. Set up the venue over there. Set up the cigar tent over there. You guys tear down those fucking forests and get a plantation going here. This is gonna be one fucking party! The meaty mercenary from before, as played by Brock Lesnar, <laughs> good, approaches Deacon. Uh, we're just gonna, like, uh, let them live and, like, party with us and stuff? What do I look like? Some kind of monster? Shit, fuckhead, we just got the fucking island. The fuck do I need to torture them for? I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. You're saying shit, fuckhead! Shit, get these kids a fucking beer! The mercenary shuffles off. Deacon turns back to the kids. You kids ever listen to Slayer? <laughs> Why would he even know what Slayer is? Classical music. <laughs> Evelyn. A quirky young merwoman, as played by Ellie Kemper, emerges from the surf with a wriggling mm. fish in her teeth. She doggy paddles back to her trimaran. It's better than catamaran because it has another moran. <laughs> On the boat, she quickly tears into the fish with fervor. Suddenly, the mariner's voice from behind. Good morning, my lady. I couldn't help but notice that you were below the surf for quite some time. I was fishing. I'm pretty good at it. Oh no. That I can see, indeed. It's been so long since I've seen another soul. Tell me, would you mind terribly if I boarded your ship for a bit of company? A stranger on my boat? Totally, no problem. Unless, are you just trying to eat my fish? Oh no, I wouldn't dream of it. Please, eat it all yourself. Oh. Okay. A pot of tea boils, and Evelyn pours a couple of tea cups and eats the fish like a corn on the cob, while the mariner explains his situation. You see, I know what you are. You're a gill-having sort of fish sort of person, right? No need to worry, as am I. Uh, but you see, I'm getting on in my years, and I've always dreamed of having my own family, a subservient wife and progeny of children to probably ignore. What? <laughs> Jeez. No way! I've been having all these crazy urges to settle down and have a family and give up my independence in order to fulfill a predetermined heteronormative role as the woman. <laughs> really now, have you? But then, with a towel wrapped around his waist and all the young swagger in the world, Adam a cocky merman, played by Jason Schwartzman, emerges from the sea with a huge bag of emeralds. Sorry, babe. I only found all these precious jewels down there. No food. Oh, no problem. I have a little bit of my fish left over if you want some. Yeah, sure, babe. I'll eat it later. Who's the dude? <laughs> 
Oh, uh, I... Suddenly, the mariner is quite hot in the face and feeling rather old. Oh, uh, this is, uh, some guy from his boat. He just floated by. Two, three, four thousand. Sorry, babe, I had to do a couple push-ups. Anyway, I'm gonna hit the shower. Nice to meet you, uh, some guy. Eve, babe, uh, don't take too long, Kay, uh, cause I got a good chub coming up from that quick ascent from down below. Oh, ascent. Wait, Adam, he says he knows where dry land is. Really? Yeah, and he wants to bring all the mer people together and make us like a whole colony. Can you believe that? Is that true? The Meritor is caught. Pants down. Well, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I've seen it. You know, over the horizon. You know, it seemed like, like, I don't know, like a cool idea or something. Adam walks over and grips the Meritor's shoulder. That's great to hear. Oh I God. really want to see dry land. You a drinking man? You drink piss? <laughs> oh, uh, a little bit here and there. Not with any regularity. Oh, man, I've been brewing up a good batch. Let me pour you a glass. Oh, no, thank you. I've got to sail later. I insist. Adam walks over to a pint glass stack, grabs one, and starts a stream of piss into the glass. Ah. Ah. Till it foams. At the top. Oh, why? did we all did we all put piss drinking in ours? Of course, it's okay. like one of the I did memorable too. parts First part of the movie. movie. Yeah, I did yeah. too. Take a drink. They they put it out there for us to get in the future, into the future. Sloshing the frothy piss glass God. towards the mariner, <laughs> Adam says, "Here you go. Got a little head there, but no biggie." Uh, yeah. All right. Well, cheers. Yeah, yeah, drink up, buddy. The Mariner nervously sips from the frothy brew and almost immediately coughs and becomes delirious. Whoa, buddy, you feeling okay? Wow, babe, he really can't take the piss. The Mariner passes out onto the floor of the boat. Back on the island, Deacon has become upset that the supplies for chili dogs have finally exhausted and demands his crew find, quote, some kind of meat in the forest to make chili dogs. Deacon jams out to the first couple of bands and has a few beers, occasionally cheersing the girls. Hey, you guys think it was kind of f***ed up for me to just, like, tie up your guardians? I feel kind of bad about that. You think that, like, alcohol and or metal? What about smoking? Deacon has the enforcer and old Gregor untied and set them up with beers and cigarettes. They bury the hatchet and rock out to some band that's just playing. <laughs> the Mariner wakes up to grunting and moaning sounds as Adam is pounding it into Evelyn oh, to much oh, pleasure oh, and climax. Oh, oh, oh. This is an R-rated movie, so... I, I, yeah, I'm getting that. At this point. I would hope it was R-rated. You're so young and virile! Exclaims Evelyn. <laughs> Ugh, I can't wait to marry and reproduce. Evelyn looks over and sees that the Mariner, who's tied up and gagged now, is coming round. Oh, that old guy is watching us. <sighs> damn it. Adam disengages and walks over to the Mariner, almost at full mast. Oh, jeez. Listen to me, you old fuck. <laughs> we are the future, not you. 
And you are gonna take us to the dry land. You got me? And just to be sure we're straight. Adam takes a pair of rusty shears and clips off one of the mariner's toes. Too much screaming oh. and agony. Oh. So which way are we going, old man? North or south? Mariner draws an arrow pointing north. Or is it south? <laughs> Babe, set a course for due south. After a few hours of sailing, they find themselves in a dense fog. The Mariner takes this opportunity to break free of his bonds and attempts to strangle Adam. Unfortunately for the Mariner, he is subdued and then subsequently cuckolded again. Just then, an unbelievable sight. An island pokes up over the horizon. Dryland. A dryland pokes up over the horizon. <laughs> Great, there it is. Let's lose the dead weight. Adam kicks the mariner overboard, and he is quickly snapped up by the jaws of a giant side-mouth monster fish. Because that is what would have happened. <laughs> Adam and Evelyn land their boat on dryland to a very hungover crew of smokers. A ragged deacon offers them a bottle of apple schnapps, which Adam takes and then proceeds to break over Deacon's skull face. Oh, jeez. An all-out brawl ensues, with Adam emerging the victor after shooting every single smoker point-blank without emotion. <laughs> oh, no. All right, girls. I'm going to be your parent now. My mer wife Think of her as your new mother. Mermother. Suddenly, the mariner emerges from the surf behind Adam and attempts to cut his throat with the razor. Sustaining some injuries, Adam once again subdues and then crucifies the mariner. <laughs> like, literally? That's, a, that's what it says in page, so I mean, that's what I gotta go with. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no, he takes the time. Yeah, he, okay, yeah. I mean, he gives him the full treatment. Yeah, okay, uh, nails or ties him to the boards and everything yeah. else. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend it, but... No! It's just the movie. Why would you recommend it? That's just the movie. I understand. Yeah. Keep, keep going. Go. Enola, whose name is Alone, spelled f***ing backwards. Enola says, It's okay. He was a real creepy asshole the entire time I knew him. With the smokers and the mariners all dead and gone, the newly forged family unit is free to propagate the earth again with their violent progeny, free of lung cancer, and full of hot, steamy piss. The end. That was an experience. Uh, okay, that was number an experience. one. Um, you. Oops. Successfully wrote an entire treatment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good job on that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Jason Schwartzman bit. It was like you, you, you start off strong with the West Anderson. You lost it, and then you came back full force, and you brought him with a hey, yeah, babe. All right. Yeah. I. I yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. Right. 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 No. He's, um, he's a piece of work. That guy. <laughs> Rutger Hauer's casting is really funny to me. I don't really understand. The thought process of that because I'm not you, um, but 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 just like like like, like the, the way you wrote the Mariner just goes in line with what you're saying about how he's basically he's just a robot. Yeah. Ha ha ha! I want to start a family unit. He's like yeah. somewhat traditional and old school, but it's like too as a as compared to what you know what yeah. I mean? Like you don't have a society; you're just a guy. Yep, just some just some damn guy. Um, I think. 
myself and the audience will agree the strongest bits were the Owen Wilson parts in the beginning. That is a strong uh, opening. Yeah, I also say your Ellie Camper impression is very good. It's very on point. Really? Very, oh, very unbreakable you. Kimmy Schmidt right there. So, Scott, what are the stats on that? Right, so uh, the budget was a cool $350 million. The Rotten Tomatoes score, the critics score was 65%. That, they, weren't, they weren't a fan. Yeah. Audience score was 30%. They liked it even less than yeah. the critics. You would have to imagine that part of the critics were actually paid to like it. That being said, uh, you know, I, uh, 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 you know, I don't. I think it gets a bad rap. Uh, I don't think it deserves a bad rap that it gets. I think there's no reason to make it again. Uh, you should just watch the movie that I just wrote. Yeah. Uh, how does Wes Anderson recover from this? Uh, oh, he's fine. He's fine. He's, fine. <laughs> yeah, he's, totally he's, fine. he's definitely got a pillow to fall back on. Yeah. Uh, expected gross profit at least 175 million. Actual gross profit 50 million. Ooh. It didn't do very well, and and that was partially due to uh, when it was released. It was right. just a bad time, you know. Right. What time was that? And uh, the part the part of the year where people don't go to movies. What's what part of year and what what exactly year was that? Uh. You know, I'd have to. I'd have to. I, I, I'd have sure. to look through gotcha. the files. I don't have it in right. front of me. Right. Gotcha. I don't want to misrepresent the uh, the data, so I will. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our sequel. You're a fucking maniac. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, we've had our prequel. Mm-hmm. We've had our sequel. Yeah. It's now it's time for. Boom! Save the best for last, baby. Here I am, deep, deep, deep. Uh, Desmond, <laughs> you're avoiding trying to say DP. <laughs> I was <laughs> absolutely trying to avoid saying DP. It's okay. Uh, my, well, there's I, no avoiding it now. We said it. My name's P Hunter, dude. It's okay. P. I get it. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. On the note of P Hunter, because of Waterworld. <laughs> Entirely I, relevant. All I want is your piss. <laughs> Entirely um, too relevant. All right, my remake of Waterworld, titled The Mariner Beyond Waterworld. Tagline, this summer, the world belongs to the wet. Or, what a lovely wave. (laughs) Directed by Christopher Nolan, personal favorite of mine. Synopsis. In the distant future of our planet, a fragment of Venus will break off and begin to orbit the Earth as a second moon. The arrival of Venus Alpha wreaks havoc on Earth. Its gravity causes gargantuan tsunamis, massive earthquakes, and increased amounts of volcanic activity. The ash and chemicals raining down expedite global warming, causing sea levels to cover every continent on the planet and incurring a mass extinction. The humans that remain struggle to survive a permanent life at sea. The Mariner, played by Christian Bale, sails the waters on his custom-decked-out trimaran, scavenging the ocean floor for salvage using a diving bell. As he surfaces with the day's supplies, he is met by a drifter, played by none other than John Leguizamo. Ah, yeah. He asks to trade. The Mariner agrees, and offers the wayward traveler a cup of water. He then drops trow and begins to urinate into some sort of filtration device, (laughs) which spits out clean water. Perfect. The Mariner offers a glass to the drifter. Hilarity ensues. The Mariner then notices the drifter's arm tattoo, the insignia of the nefarious Smoker's Gang of the high seas, ruthless pirates. Knowing it to now be a trap, he cuts off the drifter's arm with his cutlass and kicks him overboard as two more smokers emerge from underwater on jet skis. 
A chase ensues, with the Mariner dodging machine gun fire and dispatching of one of the thugs with a harpoon. As the other smoker begins to flee, the Mariner summons his dolphin companion, Echo, who knocks the smoker off his jet ski and breaks his neck. The dolphin retrieves the dead smoker body, which the Mariner uses as bait to catch a mutated great white shark. The Mariner feasts and sails onward. <clears throat> oh, we gotta eat the shark there. I mean, the salt will preserve I, it. I just feel bad for sharks. Well, I do too. I mean, well... You would hope at this point that they would make, like, a comeback, though, since there's, like, everybody's, like, not living on land. I mean, it seems like there's lots of smokers and stuff. It does bring up the question, like, they cover a lot of ground. I mean... They do. The, the amount of ocean that's already a lot is, is yeah. now expanded. Is, is even more. Like, so it seems like, how are y'all running into each other right. so frequently? How? You know? And, and if you are so close to wherever the, the land is eventually, like, how did, how did you not find it before? And just really? what's your point of reference anymore to which, like, direction you're going? I mean, I guess... Yeah, the sun. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a really stupid thing to say. Don't use that. <laughs> <laughs> Smokers are cool. And by don't use that, I mean you use that um <laughs> anyway after an unspecified amount of time the mariner sails into a decent sized trading atoll to barter with his trinkets and mutated shark meat the residents of the atoll become suspect of the mariner's eclectic collection and it is soon revealed that he is a mutant complete with gills and webbed feet and hands he is taken captive that afternoon a fleet of smokers arrive at the atoll the deacon, played by a ripped Tom Hardy in an 18th century diving helmet, think Lord Humongous from Mad Max, demands tribute in the form of Hydro and slaves. Hydro's water for, you know, the uninformed. You mean like H2O? Yes. Oh, okay. The very same. But why don't they just call it water? You know, you, you, the water's such a perfect name, you think we just keep doing that? Yeah. Worked all this other... Good thing. Yeah. Tons of literature that refers to it as water. I don't know. Uh, Hydro. <laughs> One part. Like, oh, sorry. Right. <laughs> Mel Alchemist? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Mariner, along with a young girl named Enola, alone backwards, played by, uh... played by Stranger Things' Millie Bobby Brown, are taken uh... prisoner. Using his mutant mind waves, the Mariner communicates with Echo, who follows as a smoker convoy. Should have just written an Echo movie. Yeah, bravo to Echo, by the way. That's great. Awesome. Making a big comeback for the big screen, just yeah. like it always deserves. The classic Sega series. Great game inspired by LSD trips. Good Is that music. Dreamcast? That's, uh, that's Genesis. Genesis yeah. and uh, Saturn and Dreamcast. It's been a long time, but I actually think it's supposed... It's, like, really good, right? Yeah. In terms, like, for its time, like, yeah, music-wise no, and, like, its music chip. It's anyway. still pretty good from what I remember, but moving, but, moving back to I would to love this. to actually play that. Our prisoners are taken to the Smoker home base aboard a dilapidated cruise ship. It is there that the Mariner meets another slave, Helen, played by Charlize Theron. Helen takes immediate interest in Enola, revealing a tattoo on her back, a map to dry land. Ooh. One of the Smoker's slavers overhears this. For entertainment, the Smokers have their top warriors compete in arena fights. Aquadome. That's badass. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, uh, is there going to be any thunder in this Aquadome? No. Desmond? It's strictly the Aquadome. Is, um, yeah. Did you just wink? Is Tina Turner? No, did I was just... wink no, at me? No, I didn't. No, I was just my... Never appropriate. Just my eyes being normal, Desmond. Like, that's... the. In a dome resting atop a cruise liner swimming pool, combatants duel while suspended on bungee cords. You know, 
like Thunderdome. The Mariner enters the competition in hopes of winning his freedom. That evening, he is approached by Helen, who has learned of his mutation, and asks that he aid her and Enola in an escape. The Mariner declines any sort of assistance. Smokers gather in bleachers around Aquadome in feverish excitement. The Mariner is introduced and booed accordingly. Then enters Lord Aquaticus, played by Sylvester Stallone in a snorkel mask. We're gonna do this fight now. I can't do it. Again. Oh, Scott, that's pretty sick dubstep bass you got there. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was about to go on a tangent. It wasn't you. Who's me? The two duel in a thrilling battle, trading blows while soaring around the dome. Aquaticus acquires a machete and manages to cut the mariner's bungee. As he plummets into the swimming pool, Aquaticus takes a harpoon and attempts to spear him. Using his fish mutation, he easily evades the harpoon and springs out of the water with dolphin-like finesse, outmaneuvering the mass of Aquaticus and eventually cutting open his belly with a filleting knife. Now a crowd favorite with the audience, excited by the violent display, the deacon prepares to grant the victor f his freedom. Just then, the slaver who overheard about the map earlier appears, sharing the information with the deacon and the entire gang. With his freedom revoked due to collusion with Helen and Enola, the mariner once again is detained. The deacon presses Helen and the mariner for information about how to read the map. Growing sick of their lies, Deacon threatens to throw Helen overboard. At that moment, a huge storm begins to brew. A gigantic whirlpool begins to form. Deacon drops Helen, and the Mariner grabs Enola and jumps in after her. Deacon is angered by the apparent suicide, but diverts his attention to the storm. The Mariner is able to rescue Helen and is greeted by none other than Echo, who has towed the Mariner's trimaran all the way from the atoll. Alright, good for the dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Which is actually, I would point out that flipper sound effect that everybody's so like familiar with. It's actually the sound of, bir of a bird. You've told you told me that yeah. Wow. Yeah. a long time ago. Wow, that's seen. Yeah. Oh. So dolphins actually make more like. It's like a click, right? And then like yeah, a series yeah, of clicking. Like that's them. That's them scanning you, and then they get a hologram of what you look like in their brain. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah echolocation, man. Dolphins Hence, in the echo the dolphin. It's, be it's better than sight, you know. I think we're so cool seeing in color with our. Eyes, rods, and cones. Yeah, but dolphins didn't make Spanglish, Scott. <laughs> I think they've got that us uh, over us as well. <laughs> they just are know? huge fans. It's like it's good. It's good human uh, entertainment. We like Spanglish. <laughs> it's not quite Spanish. It's not quite English. But it's a coming it's like of age tale for the whole family of dolphins. <laughs> called a pod. It is called a pod. <laughs> a pod that you cast. Perfect cast. <laughs> and listen on your iPod. Yeah. All right. All right. You were saying, Desmond? Yeah. <laughs> That's cute. The three climb on board, and within seconds, the Mariner has the trimaran at full speed, navigating itself around the Smoker cruise liner. Both vessels are slowly being sucked around the whirlpool, the trimaran trying to gain enough speed to jump out of its pull. The Trimoran gets itself out of the whirlpool as the Mariner, Helen, and Enola watch as the Smoker Cruise Liner sinks into the ocean. A fleet of jet skis are then dispatched from the sinking ocean liner. 
and soar out of the whirlpool after the trimaran. A huge chase through the storm ensues in a way that can only be described as a swashbuckling CGI f**k fest. <laughs> swashbuckling. I like that it's a swashbuckling. <laughs> I was yeah. thinking of the, the, the final pirate, the third Pirates movie. There's that whole like, it, it really is that. It's I just, like. I don't remember that. It's movie. just like there's so much like graphics. <laughs> is there like a million is, Johnny Depp's in that? In the beginning of it, but the end, it's like a big typhoon whatever it is it is like a big sea whirlpool and they're getting sucked around and like there's a there's a fight like on two opposing pirate ships as they're going around the whirlpool and jack sparrow's tripping and stumbling from one ship to another and like orlando bloom's getting fucking married uh. that's that that's it's just uh it's like the movie multiplicity exactly multiple personas that you know, yeah assume your your life the mariner swings from his mast slicing open any smoker that gets too close Helen harpoons several smokers who fall into the water only to be mutilated by various jet ski motor blades. Wow. I love the violence, man. I love writing down graphic violence. Um, Not seeing it. You know what? I understand. Okay, good. Anola accidentally falls into the water like an idiot, but is promptly saved by Echo, who bludgeons a smoker off of his vehicle. The chase comes to a thrilling conclusion once the Mariner shoots the leaky gas tank of a smoker jet ski, igniting all the remaining smokers as they get sucked into a deep sea tornado. Into the deep blue sea? You know what I It's just like I say, you, you play with smoke, you're playing with fire. You play with fire, you might get burned. And if you're burning something, there might be water put on the burn, and then there's a lot, it'd be like a world. You put aloe vera on it. I, I mean, mean, that would be the smarter thing to do. The water would just saying, aggravate the know, burn and not help. Soothing. Or, you know, instead of putting the cold thing on it immediately, you open up your freezer and let the cold air cool down the wound immediately. Otherwise, it will blister. Maybe you'll blister. Isn't that how SpongeBob gets the suds? I don't remember that episode. Sponges reproduce by budding. They do. <laughs> <laughs> I was like talking about this two days ago, actually. Yeah. A little drunk at. Yeah, no, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Helen reveals the map on Enola is to dry land. The twist being that it's located in a deep sea cavern where only someone with the Mariner's mutated abilities could reach. The Mariner insists that n- there is no dry land left, but agrees to prove Helen wrong. He dives, according to the deep sea coordinates, and winds up in a huge trench. As he swims through an underwater cave, he comes to an air pocket. We zoom out to see exactly what Helen had said. A lush paradise. Plants, fresh running water, everything to sustain a society. As the mariner begins to surface, he can see a giant shape approaching slowly. A submarine. Panicked, the mariner jumps aboard the trimaran. We have to leave now, he screams. The submarine begins to surface. The deacon pops out, having survived the whirlpool, and thanks him for leading them to the fabled paradise. The mariner, with one other trick up his sleeve, jumps on Echo, and the two dive deep down to the bottom of the ocean. There, the mariner goes into an almost meditative state, concentrating on sending a sonar message. At that moment, a creature shrouded in ink appears. Ah, the Deacon Smokers descend on Helen and Enola until all of a sudden, the giant tentacles of the Kraken slither up the breached submarine. Yay, I knew it would be the Kraken. Yeah, Peter. Yeah, we all knew. Release the Kraken. The Kraken squeezes and drowns men on the deck of the sub, then pulls the sub in two in a feat of titan strength. 
As the Kraken feasts on various pirates, Helen surfs a wave after the Deacon, who is attempting to flee via jet ski. She manages to just graze him, causing him to bleed and attract mutant sharks who happily devour him. The day is won, and the Mariner telepathically thanks the Kraken as it leaves. Using the Mariner's diving bell, Mariner, Helen, Anola, and Echo make their way to the underwater grotto. As they explore the paradise, they come across a small village of huts, encased in what appears to be stone. As we pan out, we see various stone statues, the remains of the prior dwellers of this land, encased in volcanic rock. Realizing that they cannot stay, because they will die, the group sadly begins to leave. The Mariner grabs some soil as a souvenir before leaving. At the surface, our heroes sail off into the horizon, admiring the view of the Earth's twin moons. With the threat of smokers eliminated, the search for land continues. The end. Ooh, we leave it open for another installment. For another a sequel to the, Cause, the, cause the we, remake. Because we need a fourth. Another. I mean, I don't know why I mean, people why there needs to be a sequel. They should just watch the original. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of love ah. out there. There's a lot of love out there for Waterworld. Ah. People really. You know, it got it. a bad rap. But, uh, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm like, thinking about kickstarting it. It did yeah. recoup its losses in look, the, uh, look friends in if, the, uh, if with I could, the video sales, you know. <laughs> if I could never hear a Kevin Costner quote from you guys about Waterworld ever again, that'd be so good. That's the only one I know. <laughs> we well, the only way to open the movie was for, with me drinking pee, and that was like, brilliant. Well, let's give Dazzle a round of applause. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So here's the score uh, Rotten Tomatoes score. Critics, 82%. Audiences 68. I had 69 written there, but I didn't want any jokes. This is a classy Ooh. film. Classy film. Budget 235 million. Due to all the practical effects, filming an entire sequence during a typhoon and Echo the Dolphin writes from Sega. <laughs> Christian Bale also spends a year living at sea in research for the role. <laughs> he is never the same. He's method. Expected gross profit 600 million worldwide, whatever. Actual gross profit 30 million. It's Waterworld. Oh, God. Waterworld again. Again, only making about half. Kevin Costner uses this as, like, fodder. Yeah, it's for vindication. Why he was the heart of the franchise. Uh, right, right. He's like, so poorly received. He's like, yeah, yes, yeah, I told you should have made it. Late night before. Twitter, like, rants and, like, like hell of aggressive tweets to, like, other celebrities that were in the movie. Just, just you know, passive. Not even active aggressive. Yeah, oh, active yeah, very aggressive. aggressive. Just like, yeah, Charlize Theron's an ugly piece of trash. It's going to hurt his typecast <laughs> as, like, generic dad now if he does that. <laughs> He belongs nowhere near, like, a generic dad role, you know what I mean, that guy? Really, I think it's the only thing he's actually, like... He's just, like, that boring. Fuck. He's actually that boring. Yes. But that wasn't boring, Des. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Well, this has been another successful episode of Prequel, Sequel, Remake. Um, if you like what you hear, um, subscribe on iTunes, leave a review... Um, you could also do it on Anchor FM, and we are now on Google Play Podcast. So if you like podcasts from Google, like you like most of your services from Google, um, you can subscribe and leave a comment or review there. Every little bit helps. Um, you can find all of those links on prequelsequelremake.com. They're right there. We make it easy, easy for you, as well as all of our links to all our social stuff. We're on all the social media things except Snapchat because we're a podcast, and that seems futile. But yeah, um, this was a great episode, guys. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, thanks I'm, for having. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, th thanks for us having us. Yeah, we yes, had us. We had us. We're thankful that we had us. Yes. Mm -hmm.
next time on Prequel Sequel What will the next film be? Will it be Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Or Demolition Man? Or Kazam! That's right, Nathaniel. Shadows die twice. Let's roll a clip. Give me eye.